You're listening to KKUP Cupertino 91.5 FM here in the Bay Area and beyond the Bay at KKUP.org, where we stream live all the time. excited to be here with you guys tonight. I'm so unbelievably excited. Uh, that was a cover of Selena Quintanilla's Si Una Vez, and that was by Play and Skills. I hope you like that track. That one is for you, Jose Luis, out there in Chicago. I hope you're listening right now. I know it's late over there, but you know, oh man. So, <laughs> Hello and welcome to the show. This is Out of Our Minds on KKUP, the longest-running poetry show in the United States, hosted by me, Rochelle Escamilla, a.k.a. Poetita. Tonight's show is, is a pre-recorded interview with Jose Luis Moctezuma. Jose Luis Moctezuma is a Mexican-American poet, translator, and editor whose poetic and critical work has been published in Jacket 2, Big Bridge, Chicago Review, Make Magazine, Flashpoint, Sea Rice Press, and elsewhere. His chapbook, Spring Laloc Seance, was published by Projective Industries in 2016. His manuscript, and the reason why he is on the show tonight, 
because before this, I didn't know he was, I didn't know he existed. You know, sometimes it's hard to find poets. You don't know they exist until they boom, break out onto the scene. And he has been <laughs> selected as the winner of the 2017 Omnidon Poetry Book Prize. Uh, total, you know, every poet out there is jealous of you right now, Jose Luis. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm one of them. At any rate, uh, Place Discipline is the book that's going to be out uh, at some point in the future. Moctezuma is completing a PhD in English at University of Chicago and is an amazing poet. So here's my interview with Jose Luis. I am in the studio tonight. I will answer your calls if you want to give us a call, if you want to consider becoming a member. The numbers are 408-260-2999 or 831-480-1999. So here is my interview with Jose Luis Moctezuma. Here we go. So what, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was um, the sort of framework for this book that you're working on, Place Discipline, and mm-hmm. the sort of framework around this concept that like our lot, I'm trying to understand uh, necropolitics and what that means, like our lives are sort of n- like, is that the same concept as we're already sort of the walking dead kind of? Yeah, I think it could be taken that way, absolutely. Um, I know in my own work, and certainly in this particular book, um, it's something that uh, I think is very pressing, mm-hmm. something that it's a, it's a way in which we can sort of um, uh, see more clearly the implications of our own sort of political involvement in the in the politics of today and the sort of infrastructure of today mm-hmm. um, I do I am taking necropolitics from a and Bembe's um, a very famous uh, work on that in his okay. article and he's basically just going off a lot of the work that has been done um, by you know let's say Michel Foucault's biopolitics and biopower okay um, the, the sort of uh, domain of life or which, you know, power has taken control, um, state power principally. Certainly in our day and age, um, state power manifesting through uh, police brutality, police, you know, is killing basically right. of of bodies, of let's say non-white bodies. Yeah, of, brown you know, bodies for sure. Exactly, brown and black bodies. Yep. Um, the marginalized uh, people who are not seen as actual uh, uh, living people, but as uh, s- stats, you know, as numbers, as things that are just merely casualties on on a page, and and it's that ugliness that um, that my work, and certainly I know your work, and and the work of poets uh, who are working within this kind of language are are striving to make clear and also to um, to reverse. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that. Um, I'm I'm glad that you noticed that I'm working in the same space. I didn't have the definitions to talk about it, um, but uh, when I read your when you sent sent me the excerpt of your book, I was so I felt as though we were writing from the same space on so many levels and talking about these same things, and um, and it was really a relief to me because. Um, well, also stylistically, we're working from the same space. Like um, you and I have been texting back and forth here and there talking about certain things. And I sort of admitted to you quietly that I feel very much like I'm a formalist and that I feel mm. lonely in the world of of form because oftentimes I feel I have to um, sort of defend my position that I like books like Lewis Turco's The Book of Form, which is a very, very like hierarchical, like white, very academic, very, very specific definition of what poetry is. And I like that book because it provides, I don't know, some kind of guidance for me. And, and I wanted to know what you thought about form and how we, how we work stylistically. Yeah, we were, um, I know in our conversations, we've been talking a lot about form. And I think that there's always the implication or certainly the kind of, um, there's a certain subtext, I think, when it comes to uh, the politics of reception, when it comes to specific uh, poetic communities mm-hmm. and how they arrange and organize mm-hmm. uh, their work uh, um, within the mainframe of a greater tradition, let's call it. 
so it's either you work in form or you work against form. It seems to be this kind of binary code mm -hmm. that we have to sort of either take one side versus the other. And I know that um, uh, uh, for us, let's say, um, that it's not necessarily about taking sides. It's not that if you learn form or if you are a formalist mm -hmm. and you're working actively within traditions and uh, concepts and forms that have been inherited down the line from, you know, w you know, uh, verse forms uh, mm -hmm. from the Enlightenment or whatever, you know, right. uh, writing in terza rima in the way that Dante Alighieri did or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, uh, often that doesn't mean that it's apolitical or it's merely being white or it's being, you know, sort of non-radical. Rather, mm -hmm. um, and I know I've used this sort of analogy before, it's... <laughs> It's kind of like an imprecise analogy, but it's just a way of, of making sense for it for me. Mm -hmm. That in jazz, for instance, if you want to be able to be as radical as someone like Don Cherry or John Coltrane mm -hmm. or Miles Davis, mm -hmm. uh, you have to know your scales first. You have to mm -hmm. learn how to play your instrument. You have to know how to master the lexicon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not just uh, refusing the master's tools, but being able to sort of uh, cannibalize to mm. use the term, the master's tools in your favor so that you can uh, hi 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 make it a hybrid, you mm. know, um, actively work against something like mastery through knowing what mastery implies, right? Um, not just merely being on the outside of the outside. Um, and, you know, I, I, I definitely look at a lot of the work that has been done, not just in Latinx uh, uh uh, you know, po uh, um, po poetry, but also yeah. in the kind of history that has uh, been passed down to us uh, from sort of non-white, from Latin American sort of uh, authors mm. and thinkers. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of obviously of um, the Cannibal Manifesto, something I like to bring up mm. uh, by Oswald de Andrade uh, from 1928, which was really a, a, a supreme modernist text uh, that worked um, both against hegemony, but also understood that to work against hegemony as mm -hmm. such, cultural hegemony, you had to sort of know, you had to sort of eat or become something like a cannibal, uh. you know, eat what is um, harming you, mm. right? In the same way that uh, Eduardo Viveros de Castro, in, uh, a, an anthropologist, also Brazilian, um, in his cannibal metaphysics, he calls it metaphysics of predation, that a lot of the indigenous tribes, in fact, uh, would eat certain enemies out of respect, but in a way to sort of um, uh, ingest their powers, right? Mm -hmm. To understand respectfully what it means to be an other, you know? Right. Uh, not to otherize yourself, but to also understand what it means to be another. And I think that since we're in a shared economy, as well as a shared sort of anthropocentric future, we have to understand that we're all aboard uh, um, this sort of plane, you know, mm. this plane of existence in which you have to understand others. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's the way you said it was so uh, perfect to think about um, all of the years that I struggled trying to figure out like, well, why, why do I like poems by, you know, like my Papa's Waltz, Theodore Rothke? And why do I like these very like sing-songy and these very like particular kinds of uh, formal representations of a culture that is not necessarily my own and why is it that when I read the poetry uh, specific now now that I'm you know becoming more versed in the poetry of our people but when I was first introduced to poetry from from the canon of the white perspective I was always sort of disappointed with the representation of the Chicano poems because I was like well this isn't this isn't doing that that sort of beautiful work that I that I feel is being done by all of these white authors is what I used to say to myself. And I felt mm -hmm. like such a traitor. Like I was trading because I didn't like the poems that were being presented to me that were written by Chicano writers because, well, one, because the, the poems that were being chosen um, to give to me were being chosen out of this very like... Mm, boring representation of Chicano mismo in in the white canon. Um, I don't want to say names of poems or poets that, that I used to read and think I was disappointed in, but um, there, you know, certain 
certain poems that just didn't do it for me. Maybe I connected with them in the form of identity, which is what all of my sort of white professors thought was the best way to catch me, like to give me this this relationship with someone else's poems based on identity. But I was I, I, I didn't I didn't want identity alone. I wanted identity and I wanted form and I wanted musicality and I wanted um, something that Joseph Lees, who's a great poet friend of mine, said, I wanted words to be scored onto a white page. And I couldn't find mm. that, you know. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I love that. I love that image that you just uh, uh, cited. And I think it, it works for me, too. I really do believe that it's it's about the integrity of of how we think through and in a composition. Uh, it can't be primarily or only antagonistic, right? Mm. It has to have its antagonism along with its sort of protagonism, its sort of um, its willingness to share uh, its fate along with those of others. You know, it is about a. I don't know. I I can't think of it in any other terms other than that. Um, there is always a search for origins mm. on on the part of ourselves, but also on the part of those that we're speaking against or speaking through. And that search for origins, often we find that we are actually all mestizos at some level. Mm. And I hope that that's something that I, I'm certainly certainly in my work. And I know uh, as I was reading your poetry as well, Rochelle, that it, it's in your work as well. This this kind of mestizaje we're constantly after, right? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be mestizo or mestiza? Um, what does it mean to be a new mestiza in the Ansaldua sense, right? Mm. Um, what does it mean to understand where borders begin and end mm. uh, between ourselves and others? And I think uh, redefining and reshaping where the border begins and ends is uh, creating a new kind of politics, uh, a fresh politics for us to understand that uh, they're porous, they're permeable, right? Mm -hmm. um, that we're constantly crossing borders, but at the same time understanding that those borders construct new ways to produce dialogues or mm. to produce poems, for instance. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> You're, um, uh, I love talking to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I love talking to you. <laughs> I, I love your show, and obviously I'm very honored to, to be on it. I, Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Oh, man. I just, um, I know I said, I said this in the last recording, which may or may not air, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that uh, when I saw that you, when I saw that someone else won the Omnidon Prize, I was like, damn, because I had applied for it. But then when I saw that it was you and it was, you know, it was one of, one of us, <laughs> I was right. like. I was like, oh, man, who is this guy? I got to know him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I was very fortunate and uh, very blessed, obviously. And I'm just really excited. I hadn't, you know, I'm I'm kind of an oldie. I, I was never actively publishing uh, throughout most of my 20s. I mm. was I didn't publish at all, really. I mm. just never thought I was good enough. Like, mm. I didn't think that the work I was producing w merited, you know, publication. And it took me a long time to arrive at a place where I felt ready to uh, start submitting, to start publishing, to start actually uh, conceiving myself as a working poet. Um, but it took me a long time, you know, for some people, um, some people are very precocious and they're publishing straight off the bat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, for others, it takes a while. And I count myself as someone who who learned early, but it was a very long, educative process for me. Well, I mean, sometimes that's a good thing, though, too, because there are some poems that are out there in the world now where I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't, I hadn't put that one out there. <laughs> like, can yeah. I take it back <laughs> ten years <Right>. later? <laughs> I, I swear that off. <laughs> that was never me. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, I mean, but so, so then you come out of the, you come out of the gate like a, like a freaking bull, you know, you come out of the gate slamming open with the Omnidon prize. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. No, I, like I said, I'm just really fortunate. And I think it was a, uh, just a perfect combination of many things. Um, I definitely had been working on this book for 
quite some time actually. Um, I only have this book and my chapbook through Projective mm. Industries, Spring okay. Cloud um, uh, Seance. And that was literally the, the first thing, the chapbook anyway, was the first thing I really published with the kind of uh, security and feeling that I was publishing something that I put all of my heart in. But even this book that is coming out through Omnidon, uh, Place Discipline, had I'd been working on it even prior to the um, the chapbook. So it's about, I would say, five years in the making, actually. Um, so... That's um, good. I mean, that's good. And, and you're going to be out here in California around October, you'd mentioned, for the book release? Uh, yes. I uh, I don't have the dates now. And, that's okay. Uh, but I do believe that it'll be in October, November, I believe. Okay, cool. Uh, definitely. Um, I'm sure Omnidon will uh, will you know, announce these kinds of readings. So Yeah, I'm looking so. forward to it. I, I cannot wait. I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be so exciting to see you read. And um, I'm just, I, I'm really excited for you. And I'm really grateful to have, uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure. I was like, should I contact this person because they won the prize? Like, what if... They're going to be like, ah, oh, nah, I'm not going to do an interview with you. You know, because I always feel a little bit trepidatious when I go to contact poets that n- make me nervous. <laughs> oh, really? I, I hope it was that you weren't too nerve wracked by, <laughs> by I was. Uh, I was like, this guy has a crazy last name. Like, he's carrying some <laughs> weight here. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is it is very weighted. Uh, <laughs> speaking of history and tradition and, like, that sort of thing, Um yeah, no, I, it's 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 a long story with that name. I mean, for sure, not just in what it implies and what it means, uh, but also in like the fact that if you are publishing a name since I've been very young, I always maybe actually I never thought about it, but now that you bring it up, I think possibly the reason why I didn't publish early on was because I was so nerve wracked, you know, or nervous to <laughs> yeah. use your term, the, uh, at publishing under such a name that I felt like, wow, I don't, I'm not sure this is actually worthy of having a name like that. You know, <laughs> what does it mean to have a name like that? Um, tell uh, me about, t- so tell us a little bit about where you're from and, you know, and, and where's the, where does the name come from? What does this, this weight of your name come from? Yeah, absolutely. So Moctezuma, as many, you know, people in Mexico will, will, will know and, and say, uh, it's the name of the last Tlatuani. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, of 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 Mexico, who was uh, I guess translated as like the ruler, uh, the sort of ruler speaker of the uh, the Nahua peoples of the essentially the Aztec uh, mm-hmm. Empire uh, in that time, uh, right before Cortes, um, you know, and the conquistadores uh, landed there. Um, so, it, you know, he's an unfortunate player. On the field of history, insofar that um, you know, there's obviously different histories and interpretations of what exactly uh, went down. But nonetheless, there's a kind of uh, there's a tragic element involved in that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I always like to cite that there was actually a, a previous Moctezuma, uh, mm-hmm. Moctezuma the first, who was actually, and I think it's actually in 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 Nahuatl, it's uh, Motecusoma. Mm. It would be the more closer pronunciation again i don't actually speak nahuatl another mm-hmm. reason probably why i never published because i thought maybe i should be writing in nahuatl to, <laughs> to be actually really og about it i know but, you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's a work in progress you know it's i know it's still an active language and people still speak it so well um, i mean it's really it's it's intense too because you know like my last name escamilla um, my grandfather likes to say, "Oh, well, there we we had uh, there was an Escamilla on the boat with Cortez." <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> so you were on the other side, dude. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> in our encounter, <laughs> I know what the hell. <laughs> right, and and you know that that's the complications that we were speaking uh, about earlier, right? That you know when you really when you look go. F- far back enough, you're going to see all of your hybridity. You're going to mm. see all of your imbrication with other peoples and histories. 
and how you can't be really confined to any one specific identity, that you can celebrate identity, but also see its richness, its plurality, right? Mm -hmm. And and for me, like, as I was saying with Moctezuma, there's still Moctezuma the first who built aqueducts and was mm -hmm. really actually um, the opposite of the sort of tragic Moctezuma the second. Um, and I think that a name can carry so much with it, you know, mm -hmm. not just one history, but it, uh, other sort of narratives and counter narratives. So that's crazy. That's crazy. So good. Uh, will you read? Will you read some poetry for us? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be delighted. So I'm gonna. The first one I'm gonna read is um, from the Spring Tlaloc Seance chapbook. Okay. Which came out in 2016, and this one is called Cantinflas en Gringolandia. <laughs> which is it's a bit of a riff off a John Ashbery poem called Daffy Duck in Hollywood mm -hmm. and it's both like a homage to to him and a, a kind of like translation but also a work of, uh, of it's it's a work of tricky decolonization mm. uh, not necessarily against Ashbery or anything like that because I am a big fan of Ashbery but right. more uh, using a specific modus um, and certainly that poem and what that poem is doing uh, to decolonize the way we think about um, uh, our sort of futures as mestizos, let's say. So, okay. All right. <clears throat> Cantinflas en Gringolandia. Algo extraño me atraviesa. Tragic comedy bristles upper lip and crepuscular Cristo Redentor wafts contagious across violet carpas, seizured in razor dentata and switchblade pelado clips, funeral parade of dahlias, arched backs of sweating men, a liquor tongue steadied and pillared by brie and primordialisms and Pemex, of what Lazarus gave cognate peons. Ahí está el detalle. Brown pride isn't Monsieur Moreno Cantinfliando. Is this obsequious rust grown inverse as he slurps bread slop and migas in saltine ecstasies? And the children are crying out, Aguila o Sol, Sun or Eagle, plume devil crackling in fulgent detail, optic distance at a premium. No, not mestizos, comings and goings more, mutterings, splatterings. Pulque backwash, lack of toiletries or scenography, in which case a spellbound counter-ensemble of tongues fort, funereal, featureless, a future race, unspeached except in mass contortions, Falstaffian devices, creole binaries. Every lunatic has an inner self-programming, hunger. A stainless Quixote, for example, a chill wretch mastering vernaculars as a surgeon masters nervous systems. Somos lo que somos. Calibanize restraints of erosion. Appropriate his white fever for bookbound contusions. Who gives a damn about Amadis or what gringos know of Looney Tunes? If they're in conspiracy with practiced nescience or the 140 days of Belgravia, or the 80 days it requires to circumnavigate a globe of filmic size, green and innatured and utopic, capacious of comic passepartout who coordinate their majesty's foggy notions with Adlerian obesions. No se dice idioma, se dice idioma de la raíz latina. Pues, yo no hablo de esa raíz, soy portero, hablo de la raíz india. Por eso digo, idioma. <laughs> what is grammar? What is speaking? What is this jaundiced shade at the corner of sight? Neither blood nor hourglass drip, this long take close-up creeping over me, gripped as I am, to draw unawareness outward and splay gesture for roving whir, uproots what Garbardine can speak to race. Por raza hablará espíritu. Is the pinched mouth of a slight feline man who once ran office for president of electrical tramps and syndicates 
our only acknowledging of that color enmeshed in Indian blood? No. We're othered and othering. Whether we sag or belt, whether we lisp Indiums by stage light, or choreograph bodies inflated by wrath and poverty and angelic sweat, we are who we are. Cosmic, violable, combinatory hazards of hybrid. Dang. <laughs> Um, I'm not supposed to let silence go on on the radio. And <laughs> and every time I hear uh, poets read amazing work, I just want to sit there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I have the same uh, habit. I just, that sort of uh, letting. So let's sit here for a minute really quick. Um, uh, Jose Luis Moctezuma is an amazing poet, as you can hear. Uh you're listening to KKUP Cupertino 91.5 FM. This is the Poetry Show, and here at KKUP, we are a non-commercial radio staffed completely by volunteers and supported 100% by you. And because we have no underwriting or any other source of funding that might put demands on our programming, we're free to entertain and educate the listening community of KKUP, that's you, in a unique way. So if you find this station worth supporting, please consider becoming a member. You can do that online, or you can give me a call here at the studio. Uh, the number is 408 260 2999 or 831-480-1999. All right, let's continue with Jose Luis Moctezuma. Here we go. Didn't it all sink in, especially at a reading, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I I remember getting trained for the radio show and the guy was like, don't let too much dead air go on because someone will just change the station. (laughs) (laughs) That's the brutal fact of the matter, right? So, (laughs) So although I'd like to still be silent, Jose, (laughs) I can't. (laughs) I have to interject my damn mouth into this. I'm telling you, man, you are freaking amazing. That that poem is really fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate it, especially coming from you, because I love, you know, your work. The book you send me is incredible. Oh, I'm so glad that you read it. I'm so glad. I mean, whatever. It's not about me. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad we've, we've connected, and I, I can't wait to uh, to do readings together someday in the future, even though you're all the way in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been here now for a couple of years, and uh, uh, I, I've been... You know, I'm too much of a Californiano to really <laughs> affect the uh, Cal- uh, the Chicagoan accent. But uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I mean, the people from here and who live here, I mean, there's just a lot of pride here. And in a certain sense, I feel like I'm becoming Chicagoan over the years. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a, a respect and love for the city. So I'm lucky to be here. Yeah, man, I love Chicago. I really do. My husband asked me to marry him uh, when we were there uh, visiting in Chicago and I've always had a love for it. I, I love to get lost at the um, <clears throat> Chicago Art Institute. I, uh, I'll go there and, and I make myself sick because a- after seeing so many paintings and so much like beauty all day long, like I realize I haven't eaten or drink, drank anything and like I'm literally like dry heaving in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, yeah. That's how much, I guess the artist can't live by beauty alone. <laughs> Oh man, um, so so that uh, poem was from the chapbook that you had published in 2016. Uh, can we move forward into the poems that are going to be published in your new book? Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to read um, Aya, which is one of the poems in Place Discipline, uh, coming out later this year uh, via Omnidon. Okay. And uh, I wrote this poem actually quite a long time ago. Um, but this is the first time it's being published uh, for a friend of mine. His name is Gary Garay, who's a fantastic uh, a Chicano a poet, one of my close friends from the L.A. area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of wrote this. Uh, it's very intertextual. It's very elusive. It definitely talks a lot about his work, specific um, uh, projects that he had in specific artworks. So if something isn't immediately clear there's a reference out there I guess but okay uh, okay so here we go Aya Masaya or what's beyond the beyond we flip bricks 
We stack gringo utopias in Rubik cube patterns, raisin paisa beneath purple suns choke on dust devils, the four by four grid favored by patrons. You win at Loteria. Alacran and Calavera minus hand minus pinto bean, El Catrin, a distant dream. And Mephisto's trump of coronaries in calloused marathons con la migra, burnt souls, desiccant throats, Cuauhtémoc's skull whispering, Sal si puedes, aquí hay puro confort, compa. Look you at what the otro lado gives us. 60-inch flat screens, freeways, furniture wrapped in plastic, public education, free Englishing, McDonald's every day, Batman pijamas, SUVs <laughs> like homes away from home, VHS action films starring JCVD, Miller High Life, indoor malls where milk carton flowers grow in seismic fault lines, star photo memories of Perla's green eyes, and Lourdes when her perm was blown out in soft focus whiteout, the spray-painted starry sky forecasting hijos and fiscal obligations. Fíjate, carnal. We live to construct other people's homes so we could mortgage our own paraíso with garage and Ford included. On weekends, bailamos norteño soul in the north of our north. Comemos the maze of life in Islos. Chambiamos in the back kitchens, front yards, in civic parks, on roofs, in factories, white buildings craned on the Hollywood Hills. But if you lose in Loteria, if El Diablo loses interest, if you don't buy into Estados Unidos dream logic, then you're Apache shredded by two arrows. Then you're Saint Death's Head crowned in acacias. Then you're Ulysses adrift inland within empire's high desert Rome, the heat of Hesperides at your back. Forget cards or pentagramic gambles. We've got hands when manos aren't dealt. We frame labyrinths on weekends with what capital and desert think leaves behind. Basura, plastic bottles, ladrillo, metal wire, Cortez's discarded signage, shopping carts, short bus bugs bunny, Cuauhtémoc's feet, the heterogeneous luster of scrap metal, engine parts, shards, fractions, dot matrices, speech machine that binds us in difference. Oigo mi mamá decir, ánimo mijo, échale ganas. Y con ganas, con ganas junto las dalias. A mask that smiles now, cries later. Beaded in huichol craft and cholo tech, brings what we know of allá, aquí. They say the Toltecs, Time traveled in statuary. Aya, aquí. They say between Joshua Tree and the deep blue sea, Canaan can still be seen. Where lotus eaters morphed into serpent feeders. Told technology pursuant of Texcatlipoca. Our magic red blackened in the undertow of Reconquista. Alert to the open bend of the bow. The obsidian sapience on them bestow. Abalone incantation what the seashell remembers, an eclipse in reverse, worlds and worlds to come. In this one, even the desert days in Atslan. Sal si puedes. Aquí hay puro confort, compa. Más allá de este mundo no hay otro. Only this rotund, glutted, partition, gutted, prefab, compartmentalized, bifurcated, racialized one. This one. Grown oldie, but goodie. On the radio, we hear voices. On the radio, we are dead. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Wow. Oh, um, that's an intense piece. The first time you read it, I didn't. I I didn't feel as much as I'm feeling now. And you know, that's what poetry does. It's like you have to you have to exist in it a couple of times. Um, but this time I, I just, what, what are you doing in this poem? What, what are you working at? What are you working towards? Uh, yeah, it's, it is a, a poem that I've worked and reworked so many times. Uh, it began, you know, ostensibly as a, 
as a kind of ekphrastic homage to my friend's work. Uh And he's interested in the kinds of themes here. Uh, It eventually became and sort of, uh, while still keeping that that main line, let's say, it's it's sort of gathered a lot of the the rust and waste and 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 detritus mm-hmm. of the kinds of dreams that are f- fed by neoliberalism by by capital mm-hmm. to those who want to go to the other side to what's que hay más allá what's yeah. what's over there you know there's always an allá mm-hmm. to capitalist desire that is never fulfilled right and the poem is trying to show or 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 enact at least the desiring that leads toward these this kind of uh waste matter right because right. i do think a lot of it is waste matter that um that we eventually find out is is not worth a lot of the the, the, yeah. the kinds of dreaming right um i do believe obviously that there shouldn't be a border and that in fact a lot of the labor force that we have here uh, uh, it needs to be here, right? Yeah, that there are yes. families here, there are dreamers here, and this poem is in effect uh, a way to validate these people who don't, uh, who realize that a lot of it has been un juego, you know, yeah. that a lot of it is a, a lottery, and yeah. that in fact what really keeps them together is not all of the waste of of capital, but in fact the recognition of themselves. Uh, um, uh, accepting the beauty of their situation with their families, right? Mm-hmm. So it definitely works at least toward that in many ways. Yeah, and it 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 brought me back. Um, it took me into um, a summer when I was reading uh, Asata Shakur's autobiography, and and, oh, and in it, she was saying how. You know, there's a lot of struggle in it, a lot of a lot of really dark places when she was uh, spending time in prison and so on and so forth. But there were moments where she would be walking in the city of New York and she would just be watching. She she called it watching the people struggle and loving and loving to watch the struggle, loving to watch the things that are so um, representative of capital imposing upon our people in all these kinds of ways. And our people is not. I'm brown not black but there's a relationship there and this ability for us to to sort of finally see ourselves and finally see ourselves inside of the system that we couldn't see before because we were working so hard to achieve those dreams Mm. Um, and I think I think that's really important and and for me as a, a Chicana woman who grew up not identifying as Chicana because my parents sort of we didn't we didn't inhabit the space of Chicanamismo. I mean we did. Our my dad, you know, had we have more cars than we have people in our house and a couple of them are on blocks. So obviously we're Chicanos. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Absolutely. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> but we didn't, you know, we didn't we didn't revel in Chicano mismo in my house. I don't know if anyone ever did, but now that I'm aware of my myself and my existence and my position outside of 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 the capitalist system and 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 I watch our people doing all the things they do, I do find beauty in it, a beautiful sadness in it. And I think that poem that you read is really it really inhabits that space for me. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I I, I do want to add to that as well. That um, I, I part of the motivation certainly was uh, describing what it means that there's a moment of realization, and I think this happened to me as well as to certain of my family members when we realized that we've always been here, right? Mm. That crossing a border or trying to become a citizen at some level. Uh, I think of obviously Claudia Rankin's uh, book and, mm-hmm. and what that means for those who are um, non-white, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we've always been here, right? It, mm-hmm. There, there is, shouldn't have to be this kind of stipulation. Um, and I try to access that sort of permanence uh, of place 
through uh, you know something like Aztec uh, mythos. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm citing the book, I'm citing the directionalities. Um, I'm citing um, a kind of future that is constantly present. You know, mm-hmm. in in terms of what we construct and create with our labor, because I do believe in the beauty of labor and its sort of sanctity. And I think, or I'm hoping anyway, that this poem is trying to. Uh, convey that you know the beauty of labor and the kind of future it erects for 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 families entire families oh no for sure for sure and i think that's what i'm what i'm trying to get at too is like there is there is this amount of beauty and and um you know when and maybe it's a flawed perspective um in my book and we're talking about sort of labor and and the beauty of it when i think about the existence that my parent my grandparents had in the campos you know um I, if you can imagine the scenes in la bamba where where they're all in the in in the uh, in the camp cutting apricots and the the women are cooking and making tortillas and the men are like carrying around tablas and and doing all right. this kind of stuff like when i when i imagine that and i was part of that when i was 10 i worked in in the apricots um every summer when i think about that there's always this romantic notion like, oh, that's the beauty before people felt like they needed to have bottles of, you know, diet Pepsi or, or soda, you know, before, before people discovered that there was McDonald's available for 99 cents. Mm. Um, And, and, and there's part of me that's like, oh, this is romantic. This is beautiful. This is whatever. But then I feel like romanticizing that space is also a flawed perspective because isn't that kind of um privileged of me in some ways to like look back at that and say oh look at the beauty of the struggle Mm. i don't know yeah that's a great question um yeah i don't think yeah i'm absolutely with you and that's certainly something that uh not just in this poem but in other poems that i've been striving to articulate in in the way that you just put it which is that um it's not just it, it, there has to be a moment where we also distance ourselves from how we connect to capital right mm. uh there has to be a, a moment in which there's something more than just you know um uh uh the brand new flat screen tv or you know the living room you know wrapped in plastic the furniture wrapped in plastic <laughs> there has to be something more than just acquisition right and uh-huh. accumulation uh, and I think it is a false dream that uh, is being peddled, obviously, by um, by the powers that are. And, you know, the idea that um, having these things I- implies some kind of luxury that mm. people should be grateful for uh, shouldn't be something that um, that, you know, uh, sates us or that or that we're satisfied with. Mm-hmm. Right. We need more than that. And. Uh, it is about justice and rights, recognition, celebration of identity, mm-hmm. celebration of history as well, and the fact that uh, so much of the Americas uh, is being consumed by capital and distorted. Mm. Its histories and counter histories are being distorted by this idea that somehow history begins with capital and it, sh- it never has and it never will. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's a struggle against that redefining of history. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is just amazing stuff. This is really fantastic stuff. Um, I can't, I, I can't tell you how enlightening talking with you has been. And, I mean, it's funny that all of this, um, all of these relationships that I've been forging through the radio show, but also now, um, that I'm teaching at CSU Monterey Bay, um, my my friend Angel Dominguez and I are working on the Latinx Poetics Symposium. Um, that's coming up in April, and we're bringing in five different Latinx poets from all over the United States to come to Salinas and we're, we're, we're coining it as new Atslan because it really feels that way. Um, we're trying to create this opportunity for all of us Brown poets to get together and talk about these complications in a space that's safe, where we feel like everything that we say can be considered in a deeper way and also because oftentimes these conversations that you and I are having can't really be had in a public space because the context that we're dealing with is just not understood by everybody. Mm. 
you know, and so and and part of the frustration sometimes I think and and for me as being a a writer of color, a poet of color, is that um, I don't I don't want to have to explain what hybridity is. I don't want to have to explain hyphenation. I don't want to have to explain these things. And sometimes we just need a space where we can all say, oh, yeah, well, we know what that is. Now let's talk about the complications, the porousness, as you said earlier, of the border. Let's talk right. about what let's let's further this conversation beyond, you know, defining um, the the things that we've already been working to define. Um, so I don't know. It's really exciting. And talking with you is really exciting. Yeah, likewise. I uh, that sounds incredible. By the way, the new Atlan up there in Salinas. So, um, yeah, I definitely would love to attend and see the kinds of readings and talks that you're going to have there. I think that's really rich and significant work, and I'm glad you're putting that together. Well, thanks. Well, don't be surprised if I try and wrangle you in to be a speaker next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be so happy to do it, like no question. I would be super happy to do it, absolutely. And it would be great to, to be in conversation with you in a, in a greater forum, uh, especially in back in Califas. You know, I know. Where, you know, I'd be a, so, you know, homeland, basically. So yeah, because be you're, you're from L.A., right? Yeah, I'm from, uh, well, you know, interestingly enough, the poem that I just read uh, makes some kind of reference to me being from uh, not L.A., but around L.A., uh, mm. the Inland Empire, oh, essentially. Right. Right. So I grew up, um, uh, I was born in San Gabriel uh, in L.A. County, but... Uh, and I know my parents were in and around, they met in L.A., and L.A. is always kind of like, it's that city that isn't a city, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a growth, right? It's a, it's, it's a kind of um, cybernetic system, right, that connects <laughs> yeah. other cities, right? Yeah. Uh, so I am from L.A., but not technically from L.A. I'm more from the IE um, going, uh, where, I, I like to say I'm from the desert, essentially. It's mm -hmm. where everyone who essentially can't afford to live in the <laughs> by the coast where, yeah. uh, or in the hills uh uh especially with uh, a lot of latinx communities yeah they're basically pushed uh, out toward the desert where it's more affordable yeah and i'm i'm proudly proudly from that area you know um there's a lot of latinx uh history there uh stretching all the way to san bernardino nice. so um, yeah, I would like to say I would probably say I'm from San Bernardino County because I moved uh, uh, my family moved around quite a lot Pomona El Monte mm -hmm. uh, So that's crazy. I mean, it's cool. Um, I'm learning I'm learning about the different geographical spaces from uh, Southern California as a as a Northern California girl I have to say, you know, we we are definitely divided <laughs> In some ways, <laughs> <laughs> NorCal versus SoCal, right? <laughs> I have to tell you, like, man, I, 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 I don't like to do things that way. But once in a while, I meet some SoCal people, and I'm like, oh, you guys are from SoCal, huh? And they're like, yeah, we could tell you're from NorCal. <laughs> oh, really? They yeah. tell you that? Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I'm curious to know what the, uh, what are the characteristics? Because I can't, I just see you as a Californiana. Ah. I, <laughs> well, I, I don't know what, what they would be. No, yeah. uh, no. Well, anyway, well, let's go. Let, let's talk about that in a, another time in a text <laughs> message. Um, <laughs> can you read one more poem for me? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, let me see. So I'm going to read from the same book, uh, Place Discipline. Um, sorry, I'm just taking a look. Here. That's okay. All right, this is called... Um, Omni Waking, uh, which is a poem I wrote um, for a friend, a uh, great poet, uh, Roberto Harrison, um, who is a poet I hugely admire and who I can count on as a friend and who has inspired me in his own uh, work. And this is kind of like a poem uh, dedicated to the situation of Milwaukee, I guess, because a lot of the, the book, Place Discipline, is in fact started out as a work about Chicago that grew out of my experience of living in Chicago and coming to terms what it means to be in Chicago and what Chicago's history is. And But it sort of expanded to include kind of like the, uh, you know, the neighboring cities such as Milwaukee or Detroit and, uh, 
and the sort of uh, colonial histories uh, that that happened there um, with Canada and and the United States and the formation of these kinds of nations, mm-hmm. and certainly with indigenous peoples there. So anyway, here is um, Omni Waking. Extinction, they say, motivates vernaculars. Aeration, like the rooting of bipeds in speech acts. Univocal, the remonstrances situate our vitals. This is gathering. This is the gathering. Gather you round us. You gather us. The we in voltifes, the transversal. Unto a metric of contagious witnessing we require. That our patrons know whence we emerge, indefinable, like water at the rim, blurry, overt, in the shade. Deer says, this is the summit of cultures, grass inside, sea unsurrendering. Shaman says, I see Isis, crafting Ojibwe from afterimage, green resin from the three fires. Rasa lives on in the organs they vehicle and sing out of. Our language stretches across lunar loneliness, reflections in the glass pool, tilt menominee toward interface and origin. Craft of some peculiarity indefinable as the grays of mosquito on elk hair in October prism. Or rice fields wild in contiguous wind. The turnvater of the German Athens, still unreckoning of minute curse or scar tissue, what health disregards in algae's blooming fire, the slow death of mitochondria encased in lung. But you gather our continuity in blood's maple wood, these songsters caught up in their own voicings, a few miles out, a few kilos in, the multiple we, we are, browned by concords we hardly formulate, the districts innumerable and emblazoned in omni-waking. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on the show, Jose Luis. Thank you. You're listening to KKUP Cupertino 91.5 FM here in the Bay Area and beyond the Bay at kkup.org, where we're streaming live all the time. Um, Thank you for listening. I'm going to close the show with a song for a friend called Este Jardín, and it's by Los Cafres. I'll be back in the beginning of April with everything about the Latinx Poetic Symposium in Salinas. So uh, Angel Dominguez and I are bringing five Latinx poets into CSU Monterey Bay and downtown Salinas to do a full two days worth of workshops and readings and panel discussions and everything Latinx. So if you're interested in that, please uh, check out latinxpoetics.org. All of the programming is free. I'll be back next month to talk about the things we'll be doing then. So um, here you go. Music and next month. Estás acá conmigo Compartiendo este jardín El solcito te ilumina Y las flores son tu amor Dulce fuerza que armoniza La energía alrededor Luchadora en esta vida ah, 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 ah. Alegría y dolor oh, oh, oh. Estás acá conmigo, compartiendo.
perdiendo este jardín hoy voy a abrazar vea este sueño no voy a soltarte no Soltarte. No es que no se cubra por momentos con la tormenta nuestro sol, pero siempre el viento favorece cómplice. este frío oh, oh. sentirás esta soledad acá todo lo que amo oh, oh, oh. parece no alcanzar te veo llegar siento que estás acá conmigo compartiendo este jardín listening to KKUP Cupertino 91.5 FM on your radio dial. KKUP.org streams online anywhere in the world. So anytime you have a computer device or the internet, internet, just stream us online and listen in. So I am subbing this evening for someone far better than I any day of the week. However, I hope I can give you some good music to listen to. This is Nightbird Susie from 9 to midnight this evening, Wednesday, the 14th, I believe, of March 2018.